Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode, will be part one of my player spotlight on Bill Russell. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so I've been talking about it for a little bit, but now I finally put it together. So here we have the player spotlight on William Felton Russell, otherwise known famously as Bill Russell. So, you know, when I came up with the idea for the podcast, it was to you know, talk about what's going on in the NBA today, but also to shed light on players of yesteryear. And this gentleman here, uh, one of the greatest winners in North American sports. Let's let's start with that. Um, and just on top of it, just one of the greatest players to ever lace them up and play basketball. So, um Come from humble beginnings, but uh, you'll you'll see what a giant of a man he was. Uh, even with his height, he was even larger than life. So, Bill Russell, standing six feet ten, he had a wingspan of seven feet and four inches. So, very very uh, <laughs> tall and wide man when it comes to that 215 pounds so very lean uh he played center it's his entire career but uh bill russell could cover anyone from point guard to center so uh, it just didn't matter um that's how good he was on defense so anyhow let's get started with where he was born he was born on February 12, 1934, in the west end of Monroe, Louisiana. He was born to parents Charles and Katie Russell. So, you know, he grew up in the in the south. Well, he um you know, he was born in the south, so and this is where segregation ran rampant as well as lynchings took place in in this area here uh his parents did his did their best to shield him from any early exposure to that sort of stuff so uh but eventually like most families in the south um at least try to do they migrated west Go, um, they relocated to Oakland, California back in 1943. At that time, Bill Russell was eight years old. So, although they no longer faced the threats of Southern living with, you know, uh, with the out-and-out racism, uh, the, the, the new place uh, that they end up going uh would be living in impoverished conditions now, which is what, in a different kind of racism, not the blatant racism that he, that he would have faced in the South. Uh, this was more subtle. Uh, 
The family then was hit with a traumatic blow when uh, Bill Russell's mother, Katie, passed away at age 40. No, in 1946, she passed away. Uh, and this caused Bill to become kind of timid and not sure of himself. Uh, he also led him to be an avid reader. So um, in those instances, you know, when tragedy strikes, you know, you as a child, you want to escape. So uh, reading is, you know, when you when you can read, you read about different places going, you know, uh, other than the place you are right then and there. So uh, so Bill, you know, uh, got lost in books, basically. So uh, so he did that. Um, so let's fast forward to high school. Um, he attended McClemens High School in Oakland. Um, he, he was very skilled in track and field, but he struggled early with the game of basketball. Um, in fact, he didn't know what basketball was until he moved to the Oak, to Oakland area. He entered high school at five foot ten. And then grew to be six foot five by his senior year. So uh, definitely saw him shoot up as far as that goes. His coach at the time, uh, George Powell, st st stressed to him the importance of fundamentals, especially on defense. So, um, and this is where his thirst for reading came in handy because. Uh, he began scouting his opponents and their their moves, uh, you know, how to counter their moves. So, and then during a all California summer basketball basketball team tour, his obsession with studying his opponents would serve as a catalyst that would forever change his approach to basketball. So, um, the way he studied, the way he applied himself in that regard would carry with him throughout his uh, basketball career. Not highly recruited uh, during his high school years, uh, a gentleman by the name of Hal DeJulio, who was a scout for the University of San Francisco, uh, saw Bill play and thought that he had untapped potential. Uh, so he saw something in the young man, so uh, he let that be known. So the school then offered him a scholarship, which gave him confidence that he that he could succeed. So, um, you know, uh, him receiving that scholarship is like, wow, somebody really believes in me, believes in my talent, believes in what I can do. So, uh uh, the coach for um, University of San Francisco, uh, Phil Wilpert, immediately installed him as the team's starting center. Wilpert specialized in half-court defense principles, which lent itself to Bill Russell's skill set at the time. Uh, the coach would 
also be the first coach to start three black players um, ever in college basketball history. And this took place in 1954. And the black players were Bill Russell, Casey Jones, uh, name we'll be familiar with later because they end up teammates in Boston. And the third player was Hal Perry. He so Bill was the anchor of this UF USF we'll just shorten it and abbreviate it USF team as they began to dominate college basketball which they did. In fact, his dominance on the defensive end caused the NCAA to widen the lane inside and institute a basket interference rule. So. Uh, you know, the way he played the game, his block, his shot blocking prowess uh, caused the NCAA to alter the rules there. So his 1955 and 56 teams ended up winning NCAA titles. In fact, as we go on. He put forth one of the greatest college seasons ever by a junior with a record of 28 and 1 with a 21.4 points per game average and 20.5 rebounds per game. In 1956, he averaged 20.6 points per game along with 21 rebounds. Per game as the team actually went undefeated 29 and 0. In fact, the school had a 55 game win streak um, at during that time that uh, Bill was there. So uh, definitely a dominant force. Even with that fantastic season that he had um, in 1955, Bill Russell was not named the tournament's most outstanding player. Uh, that act, that actually went to a player from Temple, um, uh, Hal Lear, in fact. Um, also, his teams battled the specter of, of racism as black players weren't allowed to stay at hotels while they were traveling on the road but was sent to local college dorms. And actually, his white teammates at the time joined them at those dorms in an act of solidarity. So, um, yeah, so they, you know, team is like, uh, you know, we're all one team. We stay on the same roof, that sort of deal. So, And this happened during a Christmas tournament attorney in 1954 in Oklahoma City so um, yeah <sighs> I tell you anyhow so as a collegiate uh, Bill was was a two-time All-American uh, UPI College Player of the Year and uh, West Coast Conference Player of the Year his team put together a string of 55 consecutive wins, that which was a record then, which would later be broken by UCLA. 
again, uh, Bill stood out in track and field, particularly the high jump, and as a sprinter. He participated in mostly local meets, which included uh, Charlie Dumas, who won gold in Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia in 1956. So uh, we'll talk about those Olympics in uh, a little bit. The Harlem Globetrotters tried to sign Bill to play with the team, but wasn't successful because the owner of the Globetrotters, Abe Saperstein, talked to his college coach, um, his college coach, uh, Phil Wilpert. He talked to him instead of talking to Bill, Bill himself. And uh, therefore, um, at that point, Bill Russell said, if you can't talk to me directly, uh, I, I want nothing to do with your team. So, so then Bill Russell placed himself in the 1956 draft. See, at the time, guys had kind of two options. They could uh, run and take that Globetrotter money. You know, a lot of guys went and did that. Or they can just go uh, right to the NBA, you know, it, provided they're eligible. So that's the route that Bill took. So, so he applied for the 1956 draft. Uh, and at the time, uh, the Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics wanted Bill Russell they really wanted him. Uh, Red Arback envisioned Bill as the defensive anchor his team has desperately needed. See, his teams were mostly like running gun type and didn't really have that defensive stopper. So Red Arback knew Bill Russell was the type of player that he needed. So, so what happened was they drafted Tommy Heinsohn as their territorial pick and uh they ended up drafting um casey russell in the in the second round who was bill russell's teammate now how they got bill russell here's what happened uh knowing that he most likely have to move up in the draft um he uh he sent Fielders, pretty much, uh, there was two teams that were a threat. It was the Rochester Royals and the St. Louis Hawks. So, Red appealed to the St. Louis Hawks. He knew to get Bill Russell's, he's going to have to give up something of value. So, so Red Arback offers up his all-star center, Ed McCauley who had St. Louis roots, actually. Uh, so they offered him, along with the draft rights, to Cliff Hagen for the rights to that second pick in the draft. So um, so with that, um, that's how the Celtics ended up getting Bill Russell. Uh, Red Arback, that, that man was shrewd back in... Uh, he was ahead of his time, pretty much. So, so in that draft, the uh, Boston Celtics end up not only with Bill Russell, 
They got Tommy Heinsohn and they got KC Jones, all three Hall of Famers, so and vital pieces to what would end up being a dy- dynastic team. So prior to joining Boston, Bill Russell played for the U.S. national team in the Melbourne Olympics, and he was named the captain of the uh, the U.S. team, the basketball team going over there. Um, and this was in 1956, of course. So with that, with with that, he ended up. Um, he was forced to miss the t- first two months of the season because that's when the Olympics were played. So, and actually, the head of the the IOC, the Olympic, uh, the International Olympic Committee, uh, Avery Avery uh, Brindage tried to declare Bill Russell ineligible to play because of his pro status. But um, the rule stipulates that you couldn't have played as a pro, which Bill hadn't done just yet. So, so he was able to play, and his team won gold by beating the Soviet Union in the gold medal game, 89-55. to 55. In fact, that Olympic team uh, ended up with a 53.5 average um, went um, points as far as uh, you know winning margin. So, and on that team, of course, was his uh, his college teammate and soon to be pro teammate Casey Jones so so uh those those two guys were inseparable there so yes so their winning margin was 53.5 uh points per this is per game guys so uh so they were definitely dominating things so so after winning the gold Bill Russell joins the Boston Celtics and he only plays 48 games for them as a rookie. His philosophy was always, and it carries with him from college to pro, focusing on team goals as opposed to individual glory, So, which made him a perfect fit for what Red Arback was trying to do with Boston. So, His rookie season was an utter success in providing Boston that defensive anchor that they've been sorely needing. Um, in his rookie campaign, he averaged 14.7 points per game, along with 19.6 rebounds. And we're just getting started here. Uh, they won 44, 44 games against 28 losses. Uh Dominating principles on defense which led to turnovers that led to easy baskets on offense. That was the philosophy that Reb was trying to impart to his players. And along with that, Bill displayed elite 
blocks, shot blocking skills as well as help defense. And the shot blocking he did was very, very uh, beneficial and monumental in the fact that when he blocked the shots, he kept the ball in play, which led his his guards to uh, run down the court and get easy baskets. So, uh, and, and even his shot blocking was called into question by uh, opposing coaches. Uh, you know, uh, many cries whether it was legal or not the shot blocking that he was doing. So, uh, in fact, Eddie Gottlieb, he was one of the coaches that uh, questioned it. But while he enjoyed success on the court, he was not well received off the court. Um, he was branded as being a bit surly and standoffish uh, by the media and by the fans. Let me address that. Bill Russell, he's, first of all, he's cut from a different cloth. He's a man who, who has uh, racial pride. He's proud of who he is. Um, he defines himself as a person first, a man first, a black man first, and then basketball player later. So uh, that's just how he, he was uh, raised, how he was built, and that's how he carried himself. Uh, he was aware of the racism that was taking place in the world. So that just kept him where he would keep people at arm's length. So, um, and, uh, you know, you, you, you gotta understand the, the times that he was living in. Uh, you know, this was still the 1950s where, you know, black folks just weren't embraced like that. So. Uh, this he was well aware of, so. And then, of course, uh, he, he would receive a lot of unnecessary hard fouls as a rookie. Um, and so much so that, uh, there was one incident where, uh, Ray Felix would, uh, you know, uh, try and do that. And... <laughs> Let's just say he and uh, Ray Felix, the center for the Knicks, ended up on the wrong end of a beatdown. Let's put it that way. So, And that quickly put an end to the cheap fouls that Bill Russell would uh, be handed. And with that beatdown, he was fined $25, of which I'm sure he was happy to pay just to have peace of mind as far as not being, you know, cheap shotted or in those things. So, um, so in his first year, um, as a Celtic Celtic and as a pro, he won his first NBA title beating the St. Louis Hawks in a grueling seven game series. It was very, uh, Hotly contested, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of jawing at one another, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, near fights on the court. Um, and then, of course, with Boston traveling to St. Louis, St. Louis wasn't exactly a 
uh, racially harmonious town. Uh, so he had to endure, um, you know, uh, just slurs and so forth. So, uh, so again, it was a grueling seven game series. It went, uh, took two overtimes to get the win in game seven. Uh, and actually what he did in his first playoff game, let me just double back a sec. Here's what Bill Russell did in his first playoff game as a pro. 16 points, 31 rebounds, and 7 block shots. It wasn't an official um, statistic at the time, but they counted that he had 7 blocks. And he did this against this the Syracuse Nationals so but again that he ended up winning the title in his first year as a rookie so but when it came to winning the rookie of the year that accolade actually went to his teammate Tommy Heinsohn uh of which um Bill Russell felt a way about it um but what what the voters will be to use as their defense is Tommy Heinsohn was available for the whole season. So, so Bill Russell, that, that does define, um, their awkward relationship as teammates, Bill Russell and Tommy Heinsohn. So, um, and then also there's the incident where, Tommy Heinsohn asked Bill Russell to sign an autograph for his, I want to say his cousin, and Bill Russell refused. Bill Russell did not like signing autographs. He just, uh, his, <coughs> the philosophy behind it was this. Signing autographs, he felt, was impersonal. Like somebody will come up to you, could you sign this? And, you know. There's no real interaction so forth. You sign it, the person goes off on their way. So he didn't like it. Didn't matter who the person was. Um, very rarely he would give one, you know. Um, and he, even even his black teammates asked him for uh, an autograph. And he, you know, politely refused. Let's say, just say that. He politely refused. And this didn't endure him with the media or with the fans. So it would come off as, again, standoffish. It was come off as arrogant. Um, you know, and, and in those days, they would call him uppity. Um, who, who does he think he is that he can refuse us uh, an autograph? So, like, he owes something to them to the fans which he always says he d does not so so in that event um on the other hand <laughs> um him and bob Cousy actually got along well so although they come from different backgrounds they were able to have a good relationship uh between them so so the following year, uh, Boston gets right out the gate with 14 straight wins, and they end up finishing 49 and 23. And that year, um, 
Bill Russell scores 16.6 points per game and at the time a league record 22.7 rebounds so and and the thing was he ended up winning the league MVP but it seems he will always be voted uh, all NBA second team why because supposedly the thought process was well, there's more well-rounded centers in the league. So uh, the fact that Bill Russell was so defensive-minded, uh, that took away in other coaches' minds. So, so uh, again, Bill Russell's fighting an uphill climb. But he, it doesn't matter to him because, again, he's a man who focuses on team-oriented goals, so um, him making the second team All-NBA, not such a big deal, so so Boston made it back to the finals um, in his second season, but Bill Russell suffers a foot injury in Game 3 in the finals against the St. Louis Hawks, and uh, with that, he had to miss Game 4 and Game 5. He came back for game six, but he was really like a shell of himself. And the St. Louis Hawks ends up beating the Celtics in six games. Uh, thanks to Bob Pettit scoring 50 points in that cl clinching game. So, uh, so or, or his career off to a good, I say good start. Oh. Uh, one finals win, one finals loss. So um, he made it to the finals twice, so that's saying something there. So so that loss would set him up for what would be a outstanding next eight seasons. So, um, so let's talk about that. Uh, in 1958-59, him and his team came back with a vengeance, winning 52 games, losing 20. Uh, in that season, Bill averages 16.7 points per game, along with 23 rebounds per game, which he beats his own record there. So Then he would go on to sweep the Minnesota Lakers uh, in the championship uh, four games to none, thus securing his second his second championship as a pro. So, and that led that sweep of the Lakers led the coach of the Lakers at the time, uh, John Cunla, to praise Bill Russell, saying that um, he was the one who whipped us physically, uh, psychologically. So, uh, so coach giving him, giving Bill Russell his props is for sure. Okay, guys, I'm going to stop here. Uh, next up, we're going to have the Wilt Chamberlain years where Wilt entered the league and, uh, that set up the clash of the Goliaths. So, uh, so on the other side, we will talk about uh, Wilt Chamberlain and 
Bill Russell in their clashes because uh, they met quite a few times, especially when it comes to playoffs. So, guys, so uh, stay tuned, and I'll be right back with that. So, my peeps, if you enjoy what you're listening to, you can follow me on my Facebook page, GD That Sports Dude. You also can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at GD That Sports Dude. And also on Twitter, you can find me at GD That Sport Dude. Also, you can email me at That Sports GD at gmail.com. You can also support me through my Zelle at that same email address. And also on anchor.fm slash gd that sports dude. You can hit the support button there to contribute to this podcast and also like me there as well. And again, I thank you for listening to this content.